0: You've got questions, we've got answers with Carol from Mind Pet Platter coming up next. All right. So I am very, very thankful uh, for Carol wanting to come back on the podcast because we have there's so many questions in regards to the Mind Platter in the shop. Um, and outside of food, it is the most discussed product, most popular product in the shop. So there's lots to talk about. But first, if you haven't listened to our original podcast about the Mind Platter, please, please, please go back and listen to that. That has lots of very practical, useful, and super interesting information in that episode um, that we won't discuss today. Uh, But just kind of, it talks about, you know, we talked about everything from Carol's background and how and why she developed this product. We talked about... You know bowls um you know why bowls and raised feeders and slow feeders fail we talked about how it's made from the divots and the moat and the materials you know it's sourced and made here in the us uh so we talked about a lot about that product um did i miss anything carol i think that, that pretty much yeah no, i think that. you did a yeah. great job yeah that was about everything i also just want to let people know um apologies for we haven't had a, a new recording in a few weeks we've i've been out um, we had a couple of new additions. We got a new puppy. We got a new baby. Uh, so we have lots going on. Um, but I've been very anxious to get back here and record, and um, especially when I found out you were coming back on. So,
1: your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat.
0: For over thirty years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner. Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
1: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes.
0: Uh today we're going to start off with talking about uh well first of all, Carol, welcome. Welcome back. <laughs>
2: Thank Always glad you. To have you. it's great to be with you again and congratulations. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um it's been a lot. Like I was just telling you, I'm, I'm almost all of a sudden responsible for a whole lot of lives, chickens and dogs and babies. <laughs> it's a lot, but um, life is good. Life is good though. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way, so. Um yeah, so I wanted to kind of kick off with with kind of like the top questions that we get in the shop. Um, when it comes to the mind pet platter, um, and it's, like I said, it's one of my favorite products and I'm constantly, I don't know if you do this Carol, but I'm constantly recording my pets eat <laughs> on these platters because I'll learn, I'll like watch a video. Like I think, um, I was watching a video with you and, and Julian Lee from uh, Adored beast. And we right. yeah, so I talked about some certain things. So I was like, i Obviously, I got all these lives that I'm responsible for now, so I can't always watch them as they eat, so I record them, and I'll go back and look later. Um, But that kind of leads me to my first question, Um, and that's where should I feed? I get that question a lot.
2: That, that is a fabulous question, and we hear that a lot, too. And uh, I'm just happy to be able to share more knowledge because the more we get to know our animals, the better we can help them live their best lives as well. And it's really interesting because when you think about it, most people serve their pets in a kitchen corner. Yep. And the, the last time I was on, I was saying that they have this extraordinary sensory circuit that is constantly evaluating um, information from the environment to let them know what's going on and what they have to be concerned about. And um, I, it's important to know your pet has a survival instinct and their sensory circuit is designed to help them survive and part of that survival is to make sure that they can protect the carcass or their nutritional resources and that hasn't changed even though we've gone from sort of the wolf to um, you know, scatter feeding with the wild dogs to the truly domesticated dogs, these senses are still operating. So the one thing I can suggest is please move your pet platter and feeder away from that corner because what it does is to shut down a lot of the senses that they use to evaluating the situation, which increases anxiety. And for example, their hearing, they hear at much higher frequencies than we do. And if you think about it, the reason for that is in the wild, when they would go after smaller prey, the sounds of those animals were pitched much higher. So, while you may not be hearing that, they can be hearing a lot of different noises in the background, but also they hear at much greater distances. So, we have a wolf at the zoo who will start howling, and eight to ten minutes later, a specific siren comes by, and he mm. howls to let us know that the siren is coming. It's
0: coming, yeah.
2: So, one of the most important things is they have extraordinary hearing and their ears are sort of cupped and, um, both cats and dogs have an extraordinary muscle system with their ears. So it almost acts like sonar. So while they're eating, they're turning their ears and picking up different noises, which you may not hear, but they're hearing. So by having them put pit it in the corner they they have no context to evaluate what's going on there the the other sense is um eyesight they're very nearsighted what we see at 75 feet they can see at about 20 feet but what they do have they have more rods than cones so they have better motion detection, and better night vision. So this, again, creates a different scenario in terms of what they can see, and the night vision and the motion detection, if there are things going on on the side, that can also bring in fear. But when you're feeding from a bowl, remember their, their eyes are placed at 20 degrees, so their peripheral vision is totally blocked by the bowl, then it's blocked by the walls in the kitchen. So this creates a very vulnerable position for them where, again, anxiety could be built. And um, their sense of smell um, as we've talked about before, the one thing I would love everybody to, to uh, walk away with is they see the world through their nose. Um, they have over 100 million scent sites compared to our 6 million, and they're capable of smelling a teaspoon of sugar in an Olympic-sized pool. So depending on the other smells that are going on as well, if they're blocked in that corner and they smell something that may not be good, it can heighten anxiety or even coming from another animal. And then lastly, and this is something I've never really talked about before, but I think it's worthwhile, is their whiskers. And when we think of whiskers, we have a tendency more so to think of cats and not dogs. But they have whiskers above their eyes, above their lip, and under their chin, and those whiskers take in information from the environment. It can detect currents, and they can sense if another animal is nearby, and how big it is, and how fast it's going. So when you combine all these senses together, the more you block any of these senses, the higher the anxiety, and that's when you lead to fast eating, finicky eating, food bowl dumping, food relocation. And in fact, if your pet is relocating food, they're basically telling you, I don't feel comfortable where I'm eating.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be here. It's their their way
2: of communicating.
0: Yeah. And in most people, I mean, I th- all the houses, like I've, you know, if you go to any friend's house or they're usually feeding in a corner or up against a wall somewhere, I mean, that would right. say an overwhelming percentage of Americans are feeding up against a wall or in a corner or in an enclosed area.
2: It, exactly. And the other thing is um, the more that you allow your pet to control their feeding territory, the better off the feeding experience for them. When they hunt prey in the wild and kill a carcass, they will circle in both directions to ensure that nobody else can come in. So this circling behavior, and that's why we have the shape of the pep platter the way it is, it allows them to control. If you have a small, tiny bowl, there's no way their body can protect that area. So we made the platter specific sizes and shapes so they can actually control and feel comfortable in protecting it.
0: I um this you bring up a really good point, the the circling. I've been kind of paying attention to and I actually have a question I have a question for you about this. So sure. with, with Juniper, a new puppy. I try to, I kind of put different foods. Like I'll put her, you know, her raw food in one corner. I'll put some goat milk and, you know, in the moat I'll do, uh, lately I've been doing like the, um, the fermented beets from green juju in one area. So she gets different things. Right. And it, I right. can see I'm, pr- I'm trying to, it really promotes her to want to circle. So she'll circle. Actually, I'm going to post this on Instagram probably here today. So I, I got a really good video, um, of her kind of circling, but mozzie the older one he doesn't circle mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if maybe my the platter he needs the bigger platter because i I feel like he can reach you know he can reach to the other side if he couldn't do that then maybe he would circle more naturally does that make sense to you
2: yeah i mean we we are, well even if um a dog is eating faster we recommend uh going up to the larger size and here's the thing carcasses came in different sizes so never be afraid to have a larger oh, nice. yeah. size but it it really does help because remember the more they're physically engaged the better off they are it's because eating is an excitable state for them it was their highlight throughout their lives And so some people have said, you know, my dog used to get so excited and I didn't know what to do. Let them get excited. But I will share this. After eating off the pet platter and letting your dog have a particular color, especially if you have another dog with a different color platter, they come to recognize my pet mom or dad is preparing my platter. I'm getting food so people have actually seen sort of the anxiousness go down
0: oh interesting okay so, it's, it's it's interesting that my even juniper knows i mean she's only what 10, 10 or 11 weeks now she already knows what her color is like if i put both their platters down she goes to the yellow one cuz that's her color so she already just having her for a couple of weeks she already knows
2: oh that's great yeah and if if any of your customers Um, see that it's not working initially just continue to reinforce that for you know the first week because sometimes rescues take a little longer to sort of make that association or depending on what the feeding experience was with a pet before so just continue to reinforce that color but they will gravitate to that.
1: Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat. In order to give your pets the very best, you need to feed them a complete and balanced diet, like Northwest Naturals.
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. Their ingredients suppliers are carefully chosen for their dedication to quality and safety practices and sustainable farming activities.
1: They combine all those healthy ingredients, adding natural vitamins and minerals to provide the very best nutrition for your cat or dog. Their recipes follow recommendations from the American Federation of Feed Control Officials, or AFCO, so that each is complete and balanced. In order to keep their products free from bad bacteria and pathogens like salmonella, E. coli, and listeria, they use high-pressure processing, or HPP. HPP is extremely safe and has been used extensively in the human food industry for many years.
0: Northwest Naturals is able to keep prices down and overhead costs low since they produce all of their products from beginning to end. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging. Easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
1: Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes.
0: I think you guys, you talked about this with Julie, um, but is the surface important? Like, you know, if you can feed outside, is that better than feeding like on tile inside? Like, you know, as far as posture and positioning and things like that.
2: You know what? Um, I don't think it really matters um, as long as you can allow your pet to eat over the platter. The key thing is you want them to not have that concave motion where they scoop up from a bowl Mm -hmm. because that causes food to coagulate in the throat. But um, it's sort of based on what your dog's experience is. We've had some rescue uh, dogs who feel a lot of comfort in eating outside simply because they're used to that. But as long as the, there's no sides on, on their feeding device and uh, they can circle and see around them and take in what's going on in their environment, they're fine. So I, th- oh. I really think that's more of an individual trait. But sure. the allowing enough space and that movement to go over is very, very important.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I try to feed... Um... Either in the yard or on our deck, if it's you know, if it's nice outside, but if not, I usually just feed an open area in our kitchen. And, um,
2: and do you, they don't have any problem adjusting, do they?
0: Uh, to the different area, no, no. Yeah. They and yeah. they know both whether inside or out. They know which platter is theirs, and um, they don't have any. No, the both. I've never had a dog that was a picky eater, so I don't know these. I have a lot of customers that have Doodles, and I I don't know what it is about Doodles, but they are all most i would say 99 percent are super picky eaters um now this platter is usually like my always my go-to with those kind of dogs um right but um yeah they don't have any issue no matter where they are they they want to eat food
2: <laughs> we hungry. we've had a lot of experience with that breed and um it's interesting i think the pet platter lessens the anxiety for them they tend to be somewhat more anxious dogs 100%. and again giving them that environmental feedback um really calms things down so your customers may want to try it we've had a lot of ex- success with that breed
0: yes yeah we often we we often talk about these platters um especially with doodle owners for that for that purpose for that reason um awesome so this is a, this is I I don't want to say controversial, but I guess it kind of is, but it's a, it's a common question we get and it's, um, should it, should it be raised? Should I raise this, this pine platter?
2: This, You know, Anthony, this is an amazing <laughs> question. Yeah. I like this I question. Used, I used to get anxious in trying to, in trying to answer it.
0: I know. Me too. I feel you.
2: <laughs> um i i have done a lot of research lately and you know the pep platter is based on science so any information we give we always try to make sure it is science-based and um it's really interesting i can't find the original source of how race feeding came about do you
0: no but that's an interesting. I've never looked, to be honest with you. I feel like it came about like not like when I was like, in, I guess like I I don't know. Two I would say two like when I was in college. I feel like that's when raised feeders are getting popular. I don't okay. Know why I think that like two thousand eight maybe.
2: Yeah, but I can't find a study. No. I can't yeah. Find um sort of the go-to article or an original authoritative source on it, which which is really interesting because I wonder if it somehow got started in the pet community and just sort of took on a life of its own. I mean, I know that the vet community is is split on it, although I not say there's a of lot that- of
0: vets or not I want to say a lot, but there are some vets that do recommend that, but I don't know why. I don't know
2: why. Yeah. And it's interesting because the vets that I've been talking to lately and just in the literature I've been looking at, that's sort of lessening now. And yep. I don't think the push for raised feeding is as much as it used to be. But um, the one thing we can share is there is one study called uh, from Purdue University, which, and I, I encourage your listeners to go to, there are summaries of this in, in uh, different areas where you don't have to actually read the journal article itself.
0: You find the abstract. I think I've read the, at least I've read the abstract into that. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And um, it's the only study I can really find that was um, in an experimental design with a control group. Um, No scientific study is absolutely perfect, but they did go out of their way to put controls in and to try to isolate what factors were operating with GDV. And because the whole thing was that supposedly raised feeders would reduce the risk of bloat especially among the larger breeds and in this study um and they looked at a lot of different things including the nutritional components of food um so that's why i suggest uh there are recommendations about that but for what our purposes, what we're talking about, they did find that in 20% of the cases for large breeds and 52% of the cases for giant breeds, um, it was associated with elevated feeding. Okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, I will share some of the research that we've done looked at and observational studies and other things. So, we see Sorry, that so when that that's
0: so, so that study, so you're saying like in the in the large breed dogs, fifty two percent or the giant breeds, fifty two percent of the bloat cases were caused by the raised bowls. They're
2: they're associated, associated with
0: associated with, with okay.
2: Yeah. And I don't want to use causality because there were other factors associated with it. And I know that research is still being done with this. So it's more like attributed to, but I don't know if you could impose causality specifically.
0: Gotcha. I wonder, and and in this study, they were just using bowls, right?
2: Uh, Yes, they were using bowls.
0: Like that's another, I guess that's another question I have is, I've heard you talk about this before, and and people are like, um, you know, some dogs are you know built disproportionately or whatever. But still, if you are going to raise it above the ground a little bit, I would still think the platter—you still want to use a platter over the bowls because that still would promote the the shoveling of the food. Like you have a video of this of um, a dog eating from a raised glass bowl, right? You know, I mean, and you can see the dog just like shoveling through there. Um,
2: Right. Yeah, good. There's two major components of the bowl. First of all, the bowl pushes the food into a high pile. So when the dog is coming down on the bowl, he's getting into that pile of food, gulping air, which and it's the filling of air in the stomach that starts the process with GDV. But then the other element is they, they're very smart creatures and they use their lower jaw to push the food up against the side of the bowl, which acts as a backward conveyor to shovel in more food and air. Right. So the bowl definitely increases it. But here's one of the things in that example that you saw the dog eating out of the glass bowl. When you bring it higher up to them, they're able to shovel more food in because it's closer to them. So then their body is going into it, and it actually makes it somewhat easier for them to shovel that food in.
0: Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So
2: so when we when we started looking at this and looking at the research and comparing it, it's like, one of the factors of this may be by raising it and elevating that bowl, it's increasing the likelihood that the dog is taking in more food and air simultaneously. Yeah. So, and in, in the veterinarians that I've spoken with, um, everybody concurs. One of the things pet parents can do is is to look at the amount of food, the pace and the amount with which your dog eats, okay? Those are the two core factors that will relate to the probability of getting bloat. So with the pet platter, you spread the food all around into the scoops and the ridge. And when they're eating over the platter, They can't take up large amounts of food, and they're licking and pulling it up, so it's also reducing the amount of air because they're not gulping. So the pep platter actually reduces the probability of bloat. But there's one other thing I'd like to share. Out of the people who have contacted us regarding um, bloat, those those people whose dog did suffer bloat they indicated that when they started feeding from a raised feeder they started seeing an increase in gas with their dog and that was like a day or two before the dog developed bloat So one thing everybody can do is if you're noticing more gas when your dog is eating from elevated feeders, you know, that's a sign that something more is building up and, you know, it's not scientific, but nonetheless, I've had lots of pet parents contact us and I thought that would be important to share.
0: Well, it's very interesting because, um, we've, we've used a pet platter for dogs with that were gassy or having indigestion, um, we, that's, this is like one of the big, like, we were always like, well, if that's happening we definitely need to first try out, you know, go to the mind pet platter and, and feed off that. Um, and it's helped, it's helped a lot of dogs. Um, I oh, mean, I would, perfect. I would say that's, I mean, just, um, this is just off my own experience in the shops on this for a little over a year. I mean, that's how it's helped a lot of dogs with that issue alone. Um, so it's interesting you say that.
2: That's great. And, I and I need know, a- those for those people who have flat face breeds, it makes a huge amount of difference, and I know that. Um,
0: it's funny because I have two Frenchies that I'm specifically thinking about in my head. That okay. It's for that reason, yeah.
2: To yeah, and I guess there there's some type of dish or dishes that have become available where they're sort of slanted. And um, the thing you have to be careful about is if the food, especially kibble, is allowed to move around in um, any sort of feeder, then what you're doing, that motion detection and sound, especially if it's blocked on the side, it echoes with dogs. And we've noticed more... Uh, problems faster eating with flat faced breeds in feeders like that so again how they see and how they hear is especially relevant to the feeder and that's why everything with the pet platter is down and if anything uh, the scoops and the ridges go down nothing projects out uh, to toss food around in any way
0: For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon.
1: In order to give your pets the very best, you need to feed them a complete and balanced diet, like Northwest Naturals.
0: Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets.
1: Find out more in our podcast show notes.
0: Yeah, that kind of leads to my, um, that's a great segue to my next question. Or the, The question a lot of people ask me at the shop is, is, but I have a slow feeder at home. Do I need this one? Um, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's it's very different. I wouldn't. Eat, I mean, I guess it's considered a slow feeder, but I don't really, it's so much more than that. But I remember the video that you showed, I think it was in your presentation, and sorry if I talked about this last time, but um, of some dogs eating off a slow feeder and they would come up to it and they'd try to eat and then they would just walk away because their noses are so sensitive and it would actually hurt them and it wasn't even worth trying to get the food out. And it was... I've seen this with even just like the, uh, not even like the tentacle ones. I mean, obviously those would be a concern, but even the ones that just like the spiral ones, I've seen dogs turn away from those, you know?
2: Yeah. But anyways, I'll let you
0: go with that one. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we talked about this before, but um, the insides of their noses have um, membrane And when the nose is banging into projectiles like that, it actually swells and causes um, pain in the membrane. But then also, lots of times with slow feeders, the the food will flick up into their faces and into the nasal cavity. And when food gets up there, it actually dries the mucous membrane out. And what that leads to is an inability to smell. And if your pet can't smell, you've basically shut down his ability to view the world at all. So um, anything that projects into their nose is punitive to a pet it, it's sort of like when you think about it Anthony if we were sitting at the dinner table and somebody took a spoon and was hitting us in the face we wouldn't like it very much. No.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I ever since you uh, I heard you talk about this I was like it makes it makes so much sense to me like why why would we make it so difficult for them? <laughs> you know what I mean it's just such an unnatural thing. Um right. but what I like about the pet platter is that it's like, everything in it is built in. It's not built out, you know? So, like, right. the, the divots in the moat, like, everything is built in. Um, and I know – I mean, it takes my dogs – it definitely slows my dogs down. I mean, yeah. you know, Mozzie Mazi will lift that thing for a while, um, <laughs> you know, getting all the – and I make sure I, you know, kind of smear it all over and get it in there really good. But um, he's so – both of the dogs are so engaged in eating with, that pl- with the platter – um, yeah, yeah, I just can't imagine doing it any other way, but
2: well, and, and that's another element pet parents should think about the feeder that you use should help your pet develop a positive relationship with food. And if you're making it difficult for them to get to, they can start to develop a negative relationship with food, which can lead to finicky eating and sort of a hostile feeding environment. And it's um, just another thing with the lick type mats. Um, when you spread food on those, they're designed again to inhibit the dog from getting the food. The problem is because their sense of smell is so strong. They're licking away, but they can't get into the crevices. And especially if that material breaks, that food sort of goes down into those cracks. So the dog is smelling the food, but he can't get to it, which leads to obsessive compulsive licking, which is actually um, bad for your pet because it creates a negative relationship but also causes aggression and we've had people contact us that you know their dogs are getting physical with these things trying to get at the food because uh, again it's um instinctively they will continue to eat because their program for survival I've got to eat all I can just in case my next meal is not there. So, you're you're creating a feeding situation which is unhealthy for your dog and it also is causing neck problems because anytime they go into obsessive compulsive movements, it they tense their body and is putting strain on their muscles.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I know this. I mean, I just I'm thinking about my own dogs right now and how, like if I give them like a, like a topper at home and if they get, if they can't get to the bottom of it, like I know Juniper has been doing this a lot lately, so she can't get to the bottom of it. So she'll like whimper, like she'll cry and then she'll start growling. Like it, (laughs) like it escalates, you know, I'm like, all right, maybe I should help you with this. Um, So I'm sure that same thing happens. I mean, it's it's essentially the same thing um, that's going on. Yeah.
2: and, and it's, it's sort of like everybody says, oh, licking is good for your dog. Well, like anything else, you know, it's all about moderation. There's sure. positive licking and negative licking. And any obsessive compulsive behavior isn't healthy for your
0: dog. Thanks again for Carol for making the time for us to do this podcast. We have part two coming up next week.
1: So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets.
0: The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.